when you're in the second um when you're into the series and you realize like the biggest event of the series happens text me or dm which because i which show better call Saul. okay because i'm about to start that one i'm i'm uh finishing up breaking bad now Okay. First time through it. Believe I'm, it or I'm not. Peaky Blinders right now. Peaky Blinders. I'm on, I'm on season, season six. Two. I'm on season six, Jordan. I, I can think of like three or four massive things that have happened. What episode are you on? Oh, episode one of season six. I just finished. So maybe, maybe it's you know we're we only have one. It's season in this to go. series. I'm not, I don't want to give it to you exactly. Okay, don't give it. Yeah, that's I. I, I when that. you'll know, you'll know what I'm talking about. All right, guys. Guys, we'll do the TV guide show uh, after, after uh, on the side B of tonight's episode. Guys, you think you know Dynasty Fantasy Football until you hear tonight's guest speak. Jordan McNamara, entrepreneur, author, lawyer, Dynasty guru, is in the house with us to talk. Follow follow-ups from the NFL age, free agency, rookies, draft picks. What are you doing with them this time of year? What kind of trades are we making? Roster tricks and tips, buys and sells, all of it, guys. All the goodness. Let's get right into it. Go district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? We've got Jordan McNamara in the house from Football Guys. You know him from Analytics of Dynasty. I've got my boy Theo, my boy Dan. How pumped are you guys for tonight? We're going to touch on... Guys, we're kind of in this awesome Dynasty time, right? We're coming off of uh, the NFL Combine. We've got free agency in full flare, all the the real NFL GMs making Dynasty-type moves. And then we've got the NFL Draft. So we've got a ton to talk about tonight. Dan, I know this is one of your favorite grads. He's one of our closest friends of the show. How pumped are you for Jordan tonight? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jordan's uh, just absolutely one of my favorite follows in Dynasty um, for for many reasons, one of which is just that he he's not afraid to say exactly what he thinks out there, uh, which I really appreciate. I like, I like uh, people who are out there, and they're a little bit unfiltered, you know, not quite so, uh, you know, always trying to be politically correct or agree with everybody on everything. And, um, you know, so Jordan, Jordan's got his own way. And I, I like a lot of things about the way that Jordan approaches Dynasty. Um, enjoy his chalk, book right, series man? and the, the whole book. He's got his, no, own, no, his, definitely own, his, not. his so. own approach. Yep. Which we're going to touch on tonight, Theo. I know you're pumped. I know you, you're just, you're all over. You're all over Fantasyland right now. So, guys, make sure you're checking out the OG Fantasy 
How you doing, buddy? How excited are you for tonight? Talking I'm, Dynasty, our favorite topic. I'm I'm stoked. It's uh it's just like a wonderful time of year to be a dynasty manager. We have the rookie drafts are kind of now on the horizon. Uh, and then we have all this constant player movement, you know, our perceptions of guys, uh, you know, our projections for guys for the season. They're continually changing. We're having to react to the news. Lots of trades are going down. We have FFPC cuts this week. You're seeing more and more FFPC trades every single day. I know I'm out here uh, completing a bunch of them. I know Dan and you are as well. So I'm stoked. This is a this is a, just a great timing to have Jordan back in the district. Jordan, man, we know you've been in the lab. Uh, you know you've got the analytics, the dynasty. You've you've done. I don't know if it's more or less than us, but you've done a million podcasts, dude. I th- I, th- I heard the other day how many hundreds of podcasts you've done in the last year, which is awesome. So tell the people that don't know where to find all your goodness, where to find it, what they could find these days, and just how you've been, buddy. Uh, I've been good. I got a couple of observations. One, um, I am making it a um, a pledge of my life to go on vacation with Dan because some of the food that he eats on these vacations, I got to experience in my life. Okay, that's the first observation. The second observation, thanks also to Dan for shouting out my uh, my heel Jordan. I have a I was joking that earlier in the off season, I'm going with like a, a very heelish approach to the to my Twitter persona. So. Um, and then, like the next day, some uh, dad from the daycare started following me, and I was like, "Oh man, real life's gonna intersect with uh, with fantasy." So, um, so they, just those two observations off the jump. No, thanks for having me, guys. I mean, this is a yearly, uh, fun yearly stop that I always love to make. Uh, it's always fun talking with you guys. So it's really, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we got a fun one tonight. I, I see nineteen twelve in the chat. Shout out to the chat, Toronto Dave. Guys, if you're not checking out the live show. It's always a party. We've already got a dynasty trade question in there. So remind me, we'll come back to that at the end of the show. We'll touch on, on that and look at the trade and, you know, give us your, give us your two cents uh, on, on the action that you've got going. It's that time of year, guys. It's that time of year. But then why don't you fire this thing off? Let's get Jordan, Jordan going and let's squeeze him for what we can. Yeah, absolutely. So Jordan, if you don't know, um, has his own uh, website, Analytics at Dynasty. He also has um, a, a series of books he's put out over the past several years. What is it? Five years now. This uh, is the fifth annual. The fifth, fifth annual. annual. Yep. yep. There you go. Uh, called the Dynasty Team Building Guide. So I I already know a little bit about this because I've ordered it. Uh, I'm I'm not done reading it, but I'm I'm well into it. But uh, you know, just kind of give us a little bit of info about what buyers can expect from it. Yeah, so I've written one of these every year, um, and I always just call it the Analytics of Dynasty Blank Year Edition. And I was through four of them, and I was kind of like, do I want to keep doing, like, keep writing these? You know, am I sort of getting, like, what am I sort of accomplishing? And I, it was always new topics and stuff, but I was always, uh, you know, kind of like, I have this sort of grand theory in my mind, right? And I, I sort of implement it, right? I talk about it in podcasts, right? but I've never sort of written it, right? And so I kind of took a step back from a little of the stuff that I was doing in terms of some prior editions and just looked at like the global, you know, just the global dynasty team building and how to do it from, you know, from top to bottom and then really in some different situations, right? And so it's basically trying to apply all the lessons that I've learned kind of along the way into one team building. Um, so that's really the deal of it. Um, you know, it'll, it's good for anyone. Right. So if you're brand new to Dynasty, if you've been playing it for a long time, there's different stuff for you in there. Um, I take some different views on some stuff, kind of like you guys mentioned. Um, 
there's some roster construction stuff that's way different than I think a lot of people discuss. Um, I got some interesting math um, in there that I found that um, in a couple of leagues where, you know, especially tight end premium, we can probably talk about some, some different stuff uh, tonight. But like you look at some of those formats and I, I just don't think that if you're in those formats, I don't think people re- appreciate the math on them and about how, you know, about how basically useless wide receivers are. Um, in those formats and uh, you know people continue to load up on them and it's just a value suck on their roster so uh, and in their lineups you just you just can hammer those teams right you're just getting a consistent they're just giving you money so just kind of that stuff like don't make those mistakes and you know just just uh, mistakes on you know it's really hard to pick players right but i do think it's there's uh there's some easy things that you can do to just not miss right i mean i Listen, I'm never going to hit, you know, I'm not going to hit balls, you know, inside 10 feet consistently with my with my six iron, you know, but I can avoid hitting it in the, the sand trap. You know what I mean? I can avoid hitting it in the water, right? And that's kind of a lot of stuff with uh, with AOD on the Dynasty Team Building Guide. It's just sort of, if you just don't do, you know, DDSS, don't do stupid shit, right? That's kind of, I think, a, a good mantra in Dynasty, and that's a lot of stuff that we hit on. Yeah, that, without that's, a doubt. That's, uh, Sorry, Dan, I just got to jump in here. That's one of the reasons we wanted him on today, just because he has such a, a unique approach to Dynasty, but running back specifically, right? And, and we've seen a lot of movement in the running back uh, realm these these last uh, couple of weeks, and we're going to see more as we approach the the, the rookie draft. So it, I'm interested, and, and I know our audience are going to love hearing your, your thoughts on some of the guys that have moved, uh, some of the rookie picks we're going to talk about tonight. Um, Anyway, sorry, Dan, didn't want to cut you off, man. I'm getting excited just hearing uh, Jordan here. No, absolutely. I I, I was just going to agree with Jordan that uh, you know don't don't do stupid shit is uh, basically <laughs> one of my mantras. Uh, you know, it's 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 like the first rule of dynasty. Uh, yeah. To be honest, but a lot of times it's it, you know you can kind of lose sight of what's stupid shit and what isn't because you're focused on the wrong things. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, try to keep it simple and and don't do stupid shit. For and you sure. see oftentimes, oftentimes this time of year, you're seeing like orphans, uh, people purchasing orphans, entering these new leagues. And, you know, you see people that are putting themselves at like setting themselves back two years often. Um, and then you see people really trying to play catch up for bad decisions they might have made this season. And they try to catch up during the offseason and they end up putting themselves in a worse bind for the current season and for seasons forward. It's it's really, really a, uh, a a tricky time, and you need to, to handle it well. Can I can I just add on that? Because that's a great point. Um, and there's two observations I was actually making today, uh, just in, in just the trade baits I was getting. Right, you get the notifications about trade baits, <laughs> and they're all the same. Right, it, it's always it's always low probability rookie bets from two years ago. Those are almost always the guys that are on trade baits. Right. And they're especially true when those are the teams that that have been taken over as an orphan. And that's the trade bait. Right. It's always low percentage bets that someone made two years ago and that they loaded up on them and then they don't hit. And then they orphan the team. And now the guy's trying to get, you know, the, the guy or gal who uh, who takes over the team is trying to get, uh, you know, 60 cents on the dollar. Right. You're trying to get out from underneath that. And so, yes. Right. I mean, I think that's that's great. The other thing, too, is like people will just absolutely just just try to hemorrhage right i actually think instead of rebuilding right instead of trying to you know if, if your goal is to rebuild your team instead of taking good players and trading them for for depth take your depth and trade it for good players right like even if you don't have a ton of depth like that that's replaceable right that's so replaceable and and i just like 
that's dynasty in a nutshell. So like if we could just, if you know what, we could just kind of put this in a bow, right? Don't do stupid shits and, and trade depth for good players instead of the opposite way around and you'll be better off. And just, we could leave it at that. We'd probably leave people ahead already. You know what I mean? And so I just think yeah, what you said, it's just, it just really hits home this time of year. Well, depth, depth are just details, right? You, you need a structure to build, to build something, whether it's a house or something, you're building a roster, you need your key guys, you need your, your structure guys, you know, you need your RB one, you need your QB one, you need your wide receiver studs. So if you don't have those, there's no point in adding all this depth to your team. And I think that's what you guys are getting at here. Guys are just collecting, you know, picks and, and youth and, and upside, uh, but don't have the base uh, for a proper structure that's going to be competitive, whether that is this year or next. And like you said, Theo, sometimes that puts them back two, three years or trading away the wrong pieces, right? And, and Jordan made a, a really great point on, on acquiring top quality assets. I think especially like we have a lot of listeners who play FFPC, the three of us, all the four of us play FFPC, getting those really, really impactful big time players in your lineup, especially with the roster requirements of the FFPC is like the end goal. I think that oftentimes you see people that say, you know, I'm willing to trade this player that's worth a dollar for maybe three players that are worth 33 cents, 33 cents and 50 cents. Whereas some of those trades where you trade three 50 cent pieces, you lose the calculator trade and you end up getting an elite asset trading maybe three perceived RB2s slash RB3s with like wide receiver two, wide receiver threes. And you get that true wide receiver one RB1 type for those three kind of guys. Those are the trades you always go back. Maybe once in a while you lose those. But when you win those, you win those massively. And I think that that's, a, that's just another, another approach this time of year um, that you see people making mistakes just trying to take on four guys that really have no path to being like a 18, 20-point-per-game guy in a PPR league. Yeah, and, and if you're just, yeah. you know, if you're not sure about this concept, all you need to do is take a look around and see what's being offered in basically every dynasty league right now. It's, it's all depth. I mean, people are swapping depth. It's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, back in elementary school, when we used to pitch pennies. I mean, you know, it was like a worthless way to pass the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and everybody's trying to get underneath their, you know, the roster cuts and FFPC, you know, so there's something of that. But the point is that depth is available all the time. I mean, you know, if you want to go out and get a Kenneth Gainwell, you can go out and get a Kenneth Gainwell. Pretty much any time of year, and it's not going to cost. You mean the starting running back for the Philadelphia Eagles? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I have picked up a couple shares of Kenneth Gainwell, but I mean the point is, smart man. Yep. (laughs) It's you know it's depth (laughs) until it isn't. Um, Right. You know, and I I know this is a concept that that Jordan wants to to get into. Um, You know, but that's that's kind of a key focus of of what you do in Dynasty, isn't it, Jordan? Yeah. You know, plays like that. A hundred percent. And it's funny because like it was, I was writing this and it kind of like, I just kind of had like a eureka moment. And it was like one of those things where like, I have this concept called warp, which we've talked about before, but it's basically wins over replacement player. And what you see is like, they're all really close until they're not. And then there's a huge gap, right? So, uh, you know, there's, uh, so at the top, right, there might be in a given year, there might be, I don't know, but between 15 and maybe 25 guys that are winning you a game over replacement. And then it, it becomes so flat after that, right? It just becomes so flat. 
And so the difference between like, and that's like one of the, the things I've most appreciated, you know, kind of what we talked about going to elite players. And while I early on in my career, I was, I was super worried about missing those trades, but now I'm like, I can't make enough of them because what you realize is that, you know, two wide receiver twos or really two running back twos. I, I'll, I'll give you an example, right? Dobbins and acres I gave for McCaffrey and five years ago, Jordan would have never done that. Okay. Because this was before last year. Uh, and I, uh, five years ago, Jordan would have never done that because he would have been scared of the depth and, you know, what happens if McCaffrey gets her, you know, I got these two guys that could make up, but what you realize is like the odds of those two guys, one of them hitting bigger than McCaffrey is almost, you know, based on their ADP um, outside of injury, it's almost, it's almost impossible for them to do it. And, um, you know, okay, so you have two of them, but now it still isn't increasing your probabilities that much. And, right, you've taken one guy out of your lineup and now you got to figure out a solution on a week-to-week basis, right? So it, you're just kind of sinking yourself. And so I, I've started to make a lot more of those trades. And then what you realize is like a an elite running back and a replacement player is a lot more valuable and a lot more productive in your lineup than two guys that are running back twos, right? The math is just... Right. And again, I am not just rostering replacement running backs on a week to week basis. I'm rostering of replacement running backs and getting them into my lineup. That's a whole nother story. But you just realize that the math always works in that direction. Right. And what I like, you know, people, hey, how do I flesh out depth? Like, that's a problem you worry about later on. Like, you can always trade for Tyler Lockett in season. You can always trade for Mike Evans. You can always trade for this year's Adam Thielen. You can always make that trade. That trade's always available to you because there's going to be some team that's falling out of contention that, um, you know, that that's the first place they're going to go is to old wide receivers and say, I can't roster these guys long-term if I'm rebuilding. That is the first place that they will go. And so those players are always available to you, right? Those are depth plays that are always available to you. And so, you know, mortgaging from that depth to get really difference-making guys like the math really hit me in the face when I was looking at it this year because right, the win over replacement thing, if you kind of just think about it, like the a replacement team would win about three games, right? And so if you have right three or four guys that can win you a game and a half over replacement, you're a nine-win team. It's not that complicated, right? Like get those guys, right? And, and I had it this year where it was – I had Mahomes – and a lot of things went wrong. I wrote about it in the book. A lot of things went wrong. But I had Mahomes, I had Jacobs, and I had Eckler. And I won a championship. Basically, like, just hemorrhaging everywhere else. But I just had those three guys that basically carried me to nine wins, right? Because I was proper on the roster construction. I was playing, you know, a little bit above replacement level at the other spots. And I was just hammering people with my three best players, right? And that's that's a winning formula. And I think that people way too often sacrifice that. I think that was a great point you made uh, Jordan on the, the Dobbins and acres. And like, you know, you're talking about them specifically as players, but in kind of a Royal sense. Yeah. These, the perception that youth is going to get better and the perception that these RB twos, because they happen to be a little bit younger, they have that path where you're able to turn it into a absolute producer I think we see people making that mistake time and time out where, you know, we have to have respect to the age apex. We don't want to take on older assets, but at the same time, you know, these 26 year olds and 27 year olds, you can get 
there's certain managers just want to get rid of them, and it's just been it's just been proven time especially at the running back position. Yeah, and I'll mm-hmm. give Jordan props because you were on the Josh Jacobs train when it was kind of cool to get rid of Josh Jacobs, and you had you had talked up him as an asset. It's like people want to ignore the the previous production and the current situation the players in. Like right now, it's not that hard to get Nick Chubb in a lot of leagues, um, mm-hmm. and Nick Chubb has a path that. I think if we all had to bet on who scores more fantasy points this year, Nick Chubb or a number of these, like, you know, year two and year three, year four running backs, I think we're all going to go with Chubb. Um, but I think that those kind of guys just become so much more affordable. Um, and those younger backs don't, you know, more often than not, if they haven't done it in their first or second year, it's just not going to happen. Totally. And I have, yeah. like, one of the things I, I did this year uh, that I – I always wondered that question, right? Like, what does the rookie season tell us, right? And I think it tells us more than we ever give it credit for, right? Like, and there's some stuff too that like, I even can go back and like, just the Amon Ross St. Brown experience from last year, right? And you looked and you saw it in like a very short sample size. It was like six or seven games. There was like him and basically no Hawkinson and like no Swift. I think maybe someone else was banged up too. Uh, So this would have been what, 2021. Uh, his rookie year and he like went just absolutely absurd down the stretch i think he was like a top five wide receiver to close this i mean it was his metrics were like were like prime but they were like they were justin jefferson level metrics like it was crazy um and you looked at it and you're like like really like like again i'm not a day three wide receiver guy like i'm not a like that's not you know i wasn't in on him pre-draft but I, i came back and i started looking at it and it's one of those things where okay what's that tell us Right. And it's amazing, especially at tight end. This is especially true at tight end. It's true at wide receiver. Running back can be a little bit more difficult because the situations can change a little bit more. Um, but at wide receiver and tight end, if they're not good in their rookie season, uh, you know, there, there's a there's a it's a bad bet. Right? I mean, and you can look at some key metrics, right? Like, you know, I, I've been on the George Pickens was pretty bad as a rookie train. Um you know, uh, Trey McBride is one that I'm like, if I can get what I paid for him, I would 100% do that because his metrics are like god awful um, last year in Arizona. Um, so like those, those are just really easy things to kind of look at. And then it, from a global perspective, you realize like, all right, the hit rates on these guys isn't that high. Right. And so if I can really turn it into like a one year of Nick Chubb is worth a lot more than I think people give it credit for. Right. Like, you know, you're not going to probably outproduce that from like a late first round rookie pick. You know, on average, Nick Chubb is going to beat that. Right. Probably in one year. He's probably going to beat it over the next two years. He's it's he's a substantial bat. You know, he's a substantial favorite right? to, to beat whatever that pick produces. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just I think pricing those things is really, really important. And I, I think the team building guy does that. And it's something I've gotten a lot better at because I was sort of in this trap of just building through depth, youth guys. You know, I wanted to have, you know, this I wanted to win Dynasty Bikini season, um, which is from between like Jan. It's like it's like Dan's vacation season. Right. right. So it's from like January through like August. Right. And it's it's the it's the Twitter, you know, who wins the Twitter modeling contest. And so that is uh, that's the dynasty bikini season. And then what you realize is that those teams are are built on, you know, it's a house of cards when you start when you start playing in, in September, October and November. So for you, it's it's less of George Pickens, the player and more the profile of what George Pickens did as a rookie versus a history. 
Yeah. So like, I just look at him and like George Pickens is an easy one for me. Like he, he's actually, and it's funny because I looked at him and I was like, I don't like the stats and people kept telling me to like, go back and look, go back and look. And it actually forced me to, again, I, I like to listen to con- other opinions. So I might be a little off the reservation sometimes with some of my, with some of my opinions, but um, I like listening to other people's opinions because it gives me different things to look at. So actually one of the things with George Pickens that I found was like super, super uh, predictive. Okay. Is um, so it's a stat called targets per route run. Okay. It, it's basically what percentage of, if you run a route, if, if you're a receiver on a drop back pass, right. And you run out into the field to go try and catch a pass, right. You run a route. How many of those routes are you targeted on? Okay. It's a very simple metric. It's not too complicated. Uh, George Pickens is uh, extremely bad at that. Okay. He is uh, last year. He was targeted on uh, let's see, 14.5% of his routes. He was targeted on. Okay. So that's a a pretty low number Um, to give you an idea. That's uh, about a uh, in his career. That would be uh, about a, let me see here. Let me get it right here. A um, it's about a, a, 15th percentile, uh, it's a, a 30th percentile type outcome. Okay, so that's well below the average wide receiver. Okay, that's well below the average day two wide receiver. It's well below the average second round wide receiver. Okay, so that already you're on a negative track. Okay, and then also what I learned was, you know, when you start diving into that, what people really like about George Pickens is the stuff that's very attractive on Twitter, right? It's very attractive in the highlights. It's memorable because he can make spectacular plays. The problem is, is we weight those a lot higher than we weight, you know, a, a simple um, Amon Ross St. Brown crosser, right? That's that's never going to make a highlight. That's never going to be anything that sort of makes the rounds on Twitter. And no one's going to be like, look at this superstar player. Um, George Pickens makes the emotionally impactful play. And as a result, we remember that. And as a result, we overweight that. But what you what you realize with him is two things. He doesn't get open, okay? And he's extremely reliant on contested catches, okay? And contested, what is the problem with George Pickens is you're buying at the high end of his variance because he was the best contested catch guy in the league last year. And that's like one of the most variable stats. It doesn't predict year over year. And he was one of the worst guys at, at getting open, what I call an open route, which is if you're not targeted on a contested route, right? If, you, if you're not targeted on a, uh, and any route that you run that's not a targeted route, how often are you targeted on those other, uh, those other routes? He's like a bottom five percentile guy. So, and that's extremely productive, predictive year over year. That's, that's something that stays very, very true. So he's very good at the, the things that are propping him up in cost are the things that are difficult to repeat and the things that are critical to repeat, he's really bad at. So that's the hallmark of a, of an overvalued wide receiver, in my opinion. But, but where do you factor in? So I will say that for, for me, Pickens is not, not a, a sell, not necessarily a buy. Uh, the teams that I have them, I'm, I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. And you know, in terms of best ball, I think he's fine where he's priced. But he, he hit 50 and 800 as a rookie. So it's not like he was completely irrelevant. And then we, when you factor in the situation of high draft capital guy under Mike Tomlin, those guys have traditionally taken a step forward in year two. How do you factor in this? Do you, do you factor in the team situation when you're looking at these sort of players? Like for Tomlin... Claypool, Fryermuth, 
Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Martavis Bryant, and James Washington, all the, uh, those guys combined saw an increase of 21 and a half receptions from their rookie year to their to their second year. The only one that that the productivity and and, point, uh, and PPR points went down was Claypool, and that's because you know he saw the same amount of targets, but the touchdowns went way down. So. Don't you think that there's a the little bit of something we should factor in, like the team situation with it, or do you think that gets a little more overrated? Um, I, I didn't catch the guys that you mentioned. Who were the guys that you mentioned oh. that went up? Everyone except Johnson. for Claypool. Yeah, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryer, and I threw Fryermith in there, even though he's a tight end. These are all receivers yep. that had draft capital under Tomlin. Yep. James Washington, Martavis Bryant, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth. And then I threw Claypool in there. Claypool is the only one that went down, and he only went down by by four receptions from year one to year two. Yeah, uh, I, without specific, I'm just trying to grab it really quick. Um, I mean, one of the things that one of the problems that I have with George Pickens is is it was on exceedingly high volume. Okay, like when you look at him, he was uh, he was among the league leaders. I believe only Garrett Wilson ran more routes than him last year uh, among. Um, I'm just checking. He was 16th in route, route runs. He did a lot of cardio. He did a lot of cardio out there in the uh, in the Kenny Pickett offense. That he did. Yeah, he did. Um, and he ran um, he ran 580 routes. Only Garrett Wilson ran more routes than him as a rookie. So already you're you're looking at a, a guy that was very highly um, highly involved. He was involved on 90.5 percent of his routes. Again, that that led rookies last year. Okay, so already you're in a spot where you're like, okay, is this a is this a scenario where he can really take a leap? Um, Deontay Johnson, like Deontay Johnson's been uh, in terms of getting targets, he's been a a very uh, a very high level uh, guy at that, right? Generating targets, which is the most important stat, right? Everything else, right? If you're looking for wide receivers, right, and you know nothing else, right, you should honestly, we try and do too much, right? All we should really be trying to do is predict the targets because it your targets predict 85% of your points. Okay, that's like the biggest correlation you'll ever find in all of dynasty fantasy football or, or fantasy football in general, and, and probably the NFL at all, right? Like that's the most correlated stat that you'll find. Um, and so you really need to just be hunting guys that will get those. Um, and so the problem with Pickens is how do I ever see 120, 130 targets? Because he doesn't, he doesn't get targeted at a high enough rate. And this isn't a spot where, I mean, he showed us a lot last year and it was a lot of not good. And so, um, you know, it was just a lot of, like you said, wind sprints, you know, and, and honestly, like you can look at some of the metrics for, for Kenny Pickett and he was probably like it right about the median quarterback last year. Right. I mean, if if the argument for Pickens is that he needs an elite situation to be good, right, that's not a good argument. Right. That's not a good argument. Like if if that is what you need from a player, that's not a player you should be in the business of. Yeah, I can understand what you're saying. I do think that there's the the you say he was he was, you know, the, the median of the of the quarterbacks. But he we do see quarterbacks improve from year one to year two consistently in fantasy football. So I do think it's an interesting one. Um, I think it's more of a, if you know, the Pickens profile is something maybe you, you dislike more than Pickens the player is kind of my takeaway from your Pickens analysis. 
Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, is like you look at Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster increased by 260 routes his first year to his second year. Like you look at, uh, you know, Fryermuth as well. He went, um, you know, he ran 40 more routes, uh, which, you know, was um, he did take a jump in targets per route run. But like the, the key point to this is like he needs to take an extraordinary jump. Right. This isn't even like some natural progression for for pickens like he needs to because there's a couple of things that are going to happen to him number one you can't expect him to be as good at a contested catch which is where he made so much of his value last year and right it's again it's a small sample size thing that isn't correlated year over year so you got to be very careful about making that bet and two you need to be very careful about making bets on guys that aren't going to get volume because you can love him, like you can like the profile. And again, I didn't have like I thought he was fine as coming out as a day two guy. Like I didn't have any, like I, I, I was just sort of neutral on him. I don't really, I'm not really big in the business of day two wide receivers coming out anyways, right? I kind of make that judgment after the rookie season, a lot of times, unless it's like some very specific bets that I want to make, um, you know. But so I didn't really have a, like a, a strong take on him. But you start looking at this and you're like. I just want to sort of be aimed in the right direction. And I want to be aimed at guys that have the chance to get a lot of targets like, like him over Christian Watson, I think is like heresy, right? Because you look at a guy like Christian Watson and even on like a small sample size, um, he was hurt. He was banged up, but like down the stretch, he had very Amon Ross St. Brown rookie season type of production down the stretch. Right. And it wasn't, again, I think it's really hard for guys to do that that aren't good. Right? It's because we've seen that, right? We've seen the, oh, the Miko Harbin's in a great landing spot, right? We see all these guys, they're in great landing spots, they're in great landing spots, and they don't produce. It's extremely hard to do elite things for guys that aren't really good. And like Christian Watson's one of those, and we just haven't seen it with Pickens. And so I just, I don't want to be like, I think 580 routes tells you a lot. I think it tells you a lot. He was basically a below average uh, second round wide receiver that he's propped up because he ran the second most routes of any rookie. And I'll I agree with that, you on that. I'm, I'm on, I'm on Watson over Pickens as well. I don't think you can pull that trade off in that many of these leagues. Watson, like you said, was a top 10 wide receiver over the second half of the season. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. Awesome production it, from Watson. It, yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting. I was just looking up on uh, keep trade cut just to have something real quick to look at. Um, Christian Watson, and George Pickens are back to back as far as uh, yeah. wide receivers go. Um, and also in that neighborhood, Ayuk, uh, Burks, uh, Jerry Judy, you know, so right, right around that neighborhood. Um, so Jordan, it, like if you were flipping uh, Pickens, like let's, let's say you accidentally ended up with Pickens on your roster and you woke up today and you realized, oh no, um, what kinds of trades would you may be making to flip him uh, for, for an asset you feel better about? Yeah, I'm always aiming up. Right. So I'm always the I'm always the consolidate up guy that kind of like we mm -hmm. talked about before. Like I, I think George Pickens is a great is a great avenue to go and acquire an elite player. Right. Because, um, you know, be on the flip side of what we talked about not doing. Right? We talked about don't package elite guys for for packages, right, for future production, for for, uh, you know, young guys for depth. Right be the person that does the opposite of that right george pickens is a great avenue to sell to somebody that wants to be you know george pickens and a quarterback uh and you know another piece and go get an elite quarterback right that's george pickens is the great is a great guy to go and sort of consolidate up the board 
would be my thought, right? Especially in, in Superflex, like I'm spending a lot of my time trying to get the two best possible quarterbacks that I can make, right? And that's kind of the trade that I'm that I'd be aiming with. You know, if I had to sort of shoot down, right? If I want to sort of what I consider arbitraging down, I, can I get Deontay Johnson plus? Like, what's my plus? Like, I'm interested in that. Like, I think mm-hmm. because again, like the other thing that you take into consideration is at the same cost a wide receiver that has done it before and has by done it before, I mean, produced a top 24 seasonal finish. Um, and it, the odds go up for guys that have done it multiple times, but just take one top 24 seasonal finish versus a guy that has not done it before has not produced a top 24 finish at the same ADP, the guy with the top 24 finish on his resume going to massively outproduce the guy that hasn't. Okay. And the reason for that is, is because we insulate for age and it, it props people so far up that it's like, two or three rounds of ADP different, right? We prop, we prop up young guys and give them this big age premium and they get beat by the guys that have been long-term productive. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of a, an easy, an easy trick to pull on people. And that's available. Like those things are available to you. Right. Exactly. That's the, uh, that's the classic, uh, Jacob Rick road, um, analysis of uh of wide receivers if you've done it once you're much more likely to do it again and keep doing it than if you've never done it at all 100 percent. that's 100 percent Let, true let's maybe switch gears a little bit but but keep the conversation similar uh jordan looking at at rookie picks like you've talked about running backs you've talked about these receivers looking specifically with with draft picks, are you still kind of upgrading? Are you looking to consolidate and, and move up in these drafts? Are you looking to use your picks as just, you know, chips in order to upgrade in your, within your roster? How do you manage rookie picks, you know, your dynasty rookie picks this time of year, you know, as we get closer to the NFL draft? Yeah, uh, 1912 Fantasy uh, in the comments asked, uh, where do I get the target uh, route data from? Uh, it's all derived from PFF data. So um, they don't give it to you specifically, but I just download it and sort of run it. And it's just a, a formula. Just take the targets divided by the routes around and that gives you the number. Um, uh, yeah. So what am I doing with picks? Uh, so I don't. So it's funny if we get into some in-depth rookie pick um, uh, discussion about specific rookies, you're going to be astonished at how little I've paid attention to this class. I will say I actually went to a pro day today. Uh, so I was a credentialed member of the media at Syracuse University's pro day today. Uh, How I did you like Tron Tucker? I, like I spent Tucker? a ton of time, a ton of effort getting there, and then he didn't even work out. And so no I way. I wish I'd known that before. Yeah, I spent all this time and effort. Like, they denied me the credentials. I went through, I, like, I was, like, super adamant on getting the credentials. I showed up there, blacked out my whole <sighs> afternoon, and then no. I was like, wait a second. I don't see someone. I thought there, I thought he had run but because the person ran without a shirt on, and I just couldn't. I couldn't see, you know, I'm terrible at faces. I can't see that far. And so I'm like looking, I was like, I don't think that that guy ran like mid four fours. And I was like, I don't think that's Sean Tucker. And so then I, I looked over and I was like, that definitely, he didn't, he definitely put on a number. That's not, that's not Sean Tucker's number. And I went over the the press guy and I was like, is, is he not working out? He's like, no, he's not working out medical reasons. I was like, come on. <laughs> I spent all this time. Yeah, I, saw your tweet. I got all excited. I thought we were going to get like inside scoop there. That's too bad. Yeah. That's too bad. You I was all there. excited too. I was all excited. He's like, do you usually interview people? I was like, never. <laughs> I was like, I'm just there to watch him run. Um, so yeah. So, uh, so uh, that was going to be the, the big jump start to my rookie draft. But one of the things that I don't do, is I don't spend a lot of time like early on in the rookie drafts, what I consider the rookie draft season, 
uh, from like January through April, right? Um, I don't really spend a lot of time from like January through like free agency studying rookies because a couple of things. Number one, I think it's a low probability bet. Um, number, uh, you know, those things change a lot too, right? And so um, what we kind of learn from, understand from early on, right, ultimately the thing that matters most is your draft pedigree. And so I think like by the time you get to the end of April, right, you'll have sort you'll know that better and have a really much better way of um, of valuing players, right? So I am at this point of the off season, I'm basically sprinting to kind of catch up. But I understand that really the thing that I care most about is going to be draft pedigree. Um, with that comes a couple of things. One, I don't, and again, this has been. A thing that I've done in the past, so I might even be erring to this to the side of like doing it too much, but I think it's been a very successful historical strategy. So I'm really trying to lean into it, which is I don't try and pick favorites, and I'm st stopping picking favorites among rookies, um, especially at wide receiver. I think it's a terrible bet, right? Historically, we uh, as a dynasty community, ADP. If you look at first round wide receivers, uh, a couple of things have a couple of critical things have been true. Among the first-round wide receivers, the order of which they've gone off in the NFL draft has not been predictive of future success. Also, dynasty ADP has not has not been predictive of their success. So, what does that mean? It means all the time and all the energy that we spend uh, studying rookies in the lead-up to the rookie draft does no better than random amongst picking those guys. So, uh, to me, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time and energy in a place where I don't think we can really make a valuable difference, um, a predictive difference, right? Jalen Rager over Justin uh, Jefferson is a pretty good re reminder of that every time I start studying rookies and saying, like, I want to pick this guy as wide receiver one. Um, so, that's one of the things that, like, we've consistently seen as being true. And so, to me, the angle is there's a couple of spots where you might want to go up the board. Right, if I can land 101, it's going to be a first round running back. It's going to be the only first round running back. I'm in. Right, that's that's a good bet. Um, so Bijan Robinson, like going to one and getting Bijan Robinson makes a lot of sense. But otherwise, like I don't want to pick the first. Like if there's going to be top 10 quarterbacks, if there's going to be three or four of them, I don't want to pick one. I don't want to pick three or four. Right, um, because I want to. I don't want to trade from. I don't want to pay what it's going to cost me to pay to move from quarterback four to quarterback one, because those guys, again, among that group, that performs randomly as well. Top 10 quarterbacks have performed randomly. The order of which they come off the draft, the order of which we've picked them in dynasty hasn't been predictive. And so when you start looking at these things, you realize like, all right, is what, what direction do I want to make my bet? I'd much rather make two bets than one is a lot of kind of how I come down on it. So if I'm sitting at like one Oh three and it's going to be quarterback one, I'm trying to sort of bail out of there, see if I can't get a quarterback and another asset, see if I can't get another, you know, trade down and get a, one of the later quarterbacks and get a, um, a proven asset or another pick or something like that where I'm taking multiple bets. Um, so that's kind of the way that I look at that. Again, then I kind of am like in the second round, I'm really looking like, is there a first round wide receiver that fell to the second round? I'm interested in that. Is a general rule like that's someone you should take? Um, you know, is there round two running backs that fall into the second round? Like that's something you really want to take, you know, first round quarterbacks that fall into that range, probably not going to happen this year, but maybe it has happened in the past. That's something you want to take. So that's kind of what I'm looking for generally. You know, I'm just kind of looking for profile players at, at certain spots. Dan has brought, had a similar strategy like Dan hit on Mac Jones in, <laughs> in, in dynasty because of, of his price. 
um, and you know how how Mac Jones was able to you know be, ended up returning a significant investment if you got him in mm-hmm. Superflex, kind of where he was. Do you think this year with this class, whoever QB four of the big four, provided they all go in the top ten, becomes maybe a player you're a little more interested in? You know, a Will Levis at like let's say the the one hundred six in a Superflex draft instead of having to use that one hundred three on a, on an Anthony Richardson, you might be more inclined to take the discount. Yeah, and the other thing too is like, so yes, um, I think Pickett was a good example of kind of that Mac Jones bet. Like last year, I was kind of sitting in in the middle of the first round in a couple of spots, right? I kind of tried to avoid the bet because I, I didn't have a great, you know, for a lot of the reasons I just said, I didn't I didn't really have a strong opinion, right? I was just like, all right, I know the play is to either go up and sort of get to Kenneth Walker because he's different than basically every other, you know, it was, it was for me last year, it was Hall, it was London, and then it was Kenneth Walker tear break. And then there was like six, seven, eight guys that I was like, I mean, if you, if you threw them, like if you just sort of randomly pick the names, like I couldn't really argue with the order that you would put them. And so I ended up coming down and looking at it and I was like, all right, do I want to take like, a wide receiver, like I wasn't firmly convinced on Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. Like they've turned out to be really good. Um, but I was kind of, I, so I sat there a couple of times in the middle of the first round and I was like, I'm in a super flex, right? The only guy that's going to be a quarterback asset in this draft is going to be Kenny Pickett. And I said, I don't like, I don't think Kenny Pickett's going to be a superstar. I don't think Kenny Pickett's going to be, um, you know, he's not going to be the next coming of Mahomes, and I don't think he's going to be like a Josh Allen level producer, right? He might be Kirk Cousins at his best. I said, but what? Uh, the question that I kept asking myself was, what's the most scarce thing available to me? And it was Kenny Pickett. And so, again, did I like if I could have it back and knew what I knew now, I would have taken a lave, right? I would have taken a lave over Pickett, but I didn't. And so I just said, I kind of said, what's the best odds I can do to, to be in a position next year where even if I don't love Kenny Pickett, I can trade him for a player that I'm really going to love. And I said, I think I can, you know, the thing we know about quarterbacks is they basically get a year, right? You kind of get a year of forgiveness. And people will always want, there will be always be someone that wants to buy the young quarterback and you can put Kenny Pickett in a deal with picks and get an upgrade, right? So and the other thing we know is there's always going to be a discount quarterback profile, right? So there's, you know, there's there's typically one or two of those available. So, you know, Herbert to an extent this year, like Dak, um, you know, pre-Cooks, I think. Um, you know, some of these other guys have been, you know, Russell Wilson. Like you can use discount quarterbacks available to you that are easier to make typically, you know, with a quarterback in the deal. So if I'm sort of sitting there at 106, 107 and like Levis is quarterback four or it's going to force me to take like wide receiver two or three, Give me the quarterback asset and super flex, and like I can figure it out down the road. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the angle there. I do think Levis is a distant fourth, but for all the reasons that we said, like we're like the NFL spends millions and millions and millions of dollars and still gets it horribly wrong in the top ten. Like I'm not going to get it better than they are, so just kind of take the asset. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a you know a good way to go about it, and you know, just kind of a, a specific example. Um, JD and I, a couple of years ago, um, in one of the leagues we run together, uh, we took Zach Wilson in the rookie draft, even though we both kind of hated him, um, me probably even more so than JD, but, um, you know, I, I, I was just like, you know, this is, this is probably the asset that's going to hold the value the best. 
right mm-hmm. here. And, you know, mm-hmm. JD was in it and with me on that. He's like, yeah, he might even be good, which might have happened. I mean, you know, I, I, I could have been wrong, um, you know, and he could have been good. So, you know, it, it, it kind of allowed us to hold him for a little while, you know, and then as soon as we were kind of like, well, you know, he's sure not looking like a good quarterback, but yeah. we were still able to trade him for a lot because of the fact that he was young. Uh, you know, he was he was the clear starter for the Jets, all that kind of stuff. So it was it, it was kind of an easy pick to make. And then we, for sure. We and you even see that like right now with Fields, right? Like right. He, there's plenty of reasons to be skeptical about Fields as a passer. Um, but the market's still like you could sell you can sell Fields for like you could put Fields in a Mahomes package. You could put Fields in an Allen package. Like you can go way up in terms of security. Like those things are available. Right, that they are absolutely available, and you can have like all the skepticism in the world about Fields as a passer, and someone will still be on the other side of that, right? Because they want youth. They want like all all the way we started off this conversation. There's still like we're in the minority of opinions, mm-hmm. I think, a lot of times, and so uh, there's o- almost always a buyer for those types of. And, I mean, honestly, Zach Wilson, like last year's situation looked pretty good. Again, he just wasn't good, but like it looked really, you know, it ultimately looked good. They did everything right around a quarterback. He just failed. Uh, right. So, but there was there was people that were willing to buy into that for sure. One yeah, thing for sure. And and to be clear, we 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 actually sold Zach Wilson off sometime during his rookie year. Uh, yeah, good. we didn't even wait around for for last year. But um, you know, like uh, you, I, I think Fields is a perfect example too because people are willing. You know, they they like that youth. Like uh, you know, Fields plus what? Or uh, excuse me, Fields would get you Dak Prescott plus what? Is right. pretty much the way it goes right now. And, right. you know, a year ago, it would have been, you know, Dak was the clearly superior asset. And a year from now, it might be Dak is the clearly superior asset. Uh, you know, it's kind of a narrow uh, path that Fields has to tread to, to retain all of that value that he's got right now. Yes. We also like we also like the fact that Justin Fields had the second most rushing yards of all time for a quarterback, though, Dan. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. We I mean, and, and the thing is, there there is that, but you know, he also has to succeed as an NFL quarterback, because if he doesn't do that, you know, like if if he turns into you know some some weird version of Tim Tebow or whatever, um, you know, it, it's just not going to last. Um, you know, they're going to quickly move on, and you know, and he'll he'll become, you know, just a either a marginal um, quarterback that kind of gets passed from team to team, you know as he works his way into becoming a backup or, um, you know, he, he just won't, he won't get the chances anymore. That Panthers first rounder that they have should also be very valuable if they needed to make a pivot to quarterback. One thing I thought uh, Jordan said that was super interesting was these wide receivers that go in the first round that fall to the second round. Dan's been, been really good with this uh, as well. Just your thoughts and I know you you haven't dove as, as much into these prospects, but it seems like there's kind of a disconnect with Jalen Hyatt right now, where Jalen Hyatt looks like he's going to have very good NFL draft capital. Some people think he could even be the first wide receiver selected in the NFL draft. But, you know, rankers have him quite low. And even if he lands perfectly in the NFL draft, the, the ship has already already left the port. Like he's never gonna leap all of these guys. Do you think he would become a guy that is the dynasty manager should be targeting if like he's a top fifteen selection and you're getting him with like the the one ten 
111 in a in a non super flex uh, format. I get my names confused, and again, I haven't been far enough along. Hyatt's the kid from Tennessee, right? Yep. Tennessee, yep. And I, a couple of I get him yeah, and I get him and Flowers up, confused yeah. for reasons that I can't I can't quite understand. Um, so he's like plus eight hundred to go one hundred one, or sorry, excuse me, plus eight hundred to go wide receiver, receiver one. one. Yeah, I'm like pretty interested in that because like if you look at classes where there hasn't been a clear like a clear guy, like a clear, like a, top, like a prototypical kind of wide receiver one that goes like in the top 10 picks, the NFL draft, it's been a really good bet to pick the fast guy, right? Like if there hasn't been kind of a clear guy that you think's like a prototypical wide receiver one, pick the fast guy, right? It's been like, you've seen that like rugs, you know, like it, it, even in that class where there were some prototypical guys, like, you know, it's been the fast guy. So um, I do think that's a pretty, a, a, a pretty, um, an interesting one. Right. Um, and I, it wouldn't shock me. Right. Uh, it wouldn't shock me to see, uh, you know, him, him be the wide receiver one in this class in terms of pedigree. Um, that wouldn't shock me at all. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, I think like the disconnect there is like, if people like Devonte Smith and, J, and Jalen Waddle were available in the second round, like just take them. <laughs> just, 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 yeah. Yeah. Just, just take them like, and just, and again, like the, the base rate's good. Like, and it doesn't change. Like one of the things that I look at a lot is like, just what the understanding the hit rate of player profiles is. So like first round wide receiver, it's about 55% chance they ever produce a top 24 seasonal finish. Um, and it drops as they don't do it. Right. Um, like year three, it becomes pretty critical for players, but you know, early on, like they, again, that number's kind of random throughout the, throughout the position, uh, throughout the first round guys. Right. It's not, it's not higher really earlier in the draft. Um, and so, like, it, again, if we're going to try and predict it better than the, the NFL, right, I, I mean, pedigree is really important, but it's tough to sort between the guys. If you're getting a half a round discount, like, yeah, I'm all in, right? Like, I'm just, I'm all in on that at that price because, again, maybe that allows me to take two shots, right? Can I take, you know, is there a, you know, can I trade from, I don't know, 107 to, you know, whatever, 201 and add a piece that's actually meaningful in that move down? Chances are probably yes, right? In, in, a, in a rookie pick situation and, and grab a first round wide receiver in a class that I'm not really convinced on guys outside of Jackson Smith and Jigbo, which I know is a bad bet, already a bad bet to make. It's the Jahan Dotson versus David Bell mm-hmm. uh, scenario last year <laughs> where David Bell Twitter was ecstatic about the third round landing spot and, and kind of talked themselves up and you know, Jahan Dotson, people had kind of a little bit of take lock. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's certainly uh, good luck making that trade these days. Yeah. Yeah, right. No That's kidding. a that you can't I, you'd never do that. Right. Like if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're drafting a guy in a rookie draft where you're drafting a guy that went around later than another guy at the same position, right? So again, that's an even more extreme example because it's two rounds different, which is substantial. Like the, the odds, like David Bell is about half the odds that Jahan Dotson is just as a random, you know, he's a random third round guy. Jahan Dotson is a random first round guy. It's about half the odds, right? So if you're ever find yourself making a bet like that, like stop yourself, like, you know, put down your mouse, right? Step away from the computer, put your phone down, like be super conscious of what you're doing before you push that button to make that pick. And I had a question for you and Dan and JD. Like you, you've been big on Drake London. I, I love Drake London right now. I with with respect to this draft class, what pick would you offer in a non superflex league to get Drake London right now? I'd pay one hundred two for the landing spots. Was that? 
I'd pay 102 for him. 102. What about okay. you, Dan? In a one-quarterback league? One-quarterback FFPC league. Yeah, that's probably about right. I mean, you know, I, I 102, 103, right in there. What about you, J.D.? You're no, mute, J.D. You're, you're on mute. Still well, I'll say that I double, double tap, double tapped it. Like not only a rookie, but like a real, real amateur rookie. Um, <laughs> I think the only thing you're giving up that you're not giving up for London from this class, like you guys said, is is that one on one for Bijan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can make it. I can make an argument. I think it's interesting because, like, I can make an argument that I'd rather have the one hundred and two. But I think that you, if you offer the one hundred and three right now for Drake London, um. Without knowing the landing spots, I think you're getting Drake London in, in a lot of those deals. Well, the, yeah. the 102 is just more liquid, you know, like it's just you you can move it more. But if you really like London and you have the 102, I mean, now is a good time to make that move, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I just think it's I just think it's very interesting um, because like I'm very big into London, but I think that there's a little bit slight of a disconnect of what he is in, in Dynasty versus you know, what these early, early rookie picks are. I just, I just don't get the feeling that you don't see a whole lot of Drake London trades. People are still, you know, hesitant to move him. But I think when it came down to it, I think you could absolutely make the 102 for London and you probably can make the 103 for London in, in most FFPC leagues. I think anytime you have a young receiver with that many questions at quarterback, I think that's probably the biggest hesitation with, with London, I would imagine. Cause I mean, you know, Dan loves his narrow target trees, and that was definitely one one narrow one out there in Atlanta between Pitts and London. So you think they're going to get better this year? Uh, I don't know, Ritter. <laughs> I've got him as a QB two on a triflex somewhere, and you know, I'm hoping he's something. But you you got to hope they bring something to someone else, or I don't know. But I think that's probably the biggest reason, the biggest hesitation with uh, the young receiver. To me, is only the quarterback question. Yeah, for sure. And I, I got to pin Jordan down on one thing that he just kind of casually tossed, tossed off there. And, uh, and, the, and then we're going to let JD make a plug for us. But um, say, say again about uh, JSN, uh, Jordan. You, you think he's a, a very bad bet, right? Uh, no, he'd be my wide receiver one. Okay. Right. I, as I sit here right Maybe now, again, with, the, with the caveat that that I haven't studied everyone, like I, I have a really hard time putting any profile over his. Yeah, you know, just okay. with the with this amount of study. That, again, I haven't watched them. Like, but yeah, we know the things that are important: break out really early and to a high level, and like that's the most predictive thing at the wide receiver position. That plus draft capital, like that's. Mm-hmm. Again, if I didn't know anything else, right? I kind of, I kind of go with the the philosophy of like, if I could kind of give my wife a couple of things, she doesn't know a wide receiver from, you know, defensive end, um, and I just told her kind of like what to follow, right? Those would be the two things, and you, she could probably like not implode her team, um, and so that would be the thing that I would do with the caveat of, like, picking the wide receiver one. It has been very difficult. Like that hasn't been like Corey Davis had like almost a bulletproof profile. Like the the profiles that go up there are usually pretty. But he was good. a senior. He was a senior though. Sure. Yes. But like the order of which that these guys have gone off hasn't been hasn't been predictive. And so if you're kind of in a spot where you're like, okay, I really, really, really like the wide receiver one in this class. Like I got to be careful about making that bet a lot, right? I just sort of know as a as a rule that's a that's a bad bet to have firm conviction on. 
right? Like that's a bet I don't want to have a ton of conviction on because I know that historically it hasn't been a good bet. And so okay. like, you know, that, so again, I love the player. I'm not sure I'm going to love the cost. Gotcha. And that, and, and I that think he's in, I think if, if he's, if he's available at nine, I think it would be malpractice for Chicago not to take him. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's something you've been very consistent on Jordan, um, you know, throughout, throughout the years is just that you, you, you're uncomfortable making that bet on those wide receivers, you know, like trying to, as you said, pick the, pick the best one out of the class. It's my um, humility. It was taught to me by Dan. Humility. <laughs> yes. Humility definitely yes. matters, but uh, I'll take all the JSN though, Dan, all of it. All right. All of it. I'm willing to bet on, make that bet. All right. We gotta, we gotta let, we gotta let JD do his thing here. So. Guys, you hear us talk about it often. The FFPC, the playground of fantasy land. This is where, we play, the big boys play, the little guys play. It doesn't matter what your buy-in range is. You can start at $5, go all the way to ten grand. you have got Dynasty, Redraft, Best Ball Tournaments are flying right now. You see it on the screen, myffpc.com. They got the Fantasy Pros, 350 buy-in, $1 million grand prize. Yes, you heard it right, $1 million grand prize for the Fantasy Pros Championship as well as the main event. Two monster tournaments right there. You've got the two best ball tournaments, $35 buy-in and a $125 buy-in, the never too early. One is a super flex, one is a one QB. You've got a $5,000 grand prize and a $25,000 grand prize. Of course, you've got the Dynasty Orphans that uh, Theo talked about. He's definitely in there buying and selling those bad boys. They're fun, guys. There's some serious discounts right now. Check it out, myffpc.com. If you're not already on that site, you can use the code GOAT to get an exclusive bonus when you sign up, you get a $25 bonus, guys, that you can use to a 35-plus entry. So, again, for that $35 tournament for $5,000, you can use that $25 credit. Cost you 10 bucks, man, to get into this tournament. So, check it out, myffpc.com. There's a link posted in the description below. Guys, let's go to Dallas, man. Let's go to Dallas. I know Dan and I are big on, on Brendan Cooks. We have him on a, on a couple rosters. We were talking about him this weekend. He's kind of like the vagabond right? Uh, receiver of the NFL. He's been on a few teams now. He ends up in Dallas. He's given us seven out of nine seasons, at least as a, as a top 24 receiver, basically as a wide receiver too. So let me ask you, Jordan, I'll go to you first. You see Kellen Moore is gone. Zeke is gone. There's an offensive transition going on in Dallas. How bullish are you on this offense? Where are you on Brandon Cooks? Do you like the kind of the, the fallout for the other pieces in Dallas? I saw a tweet uh, you posted earlier on Dak. Maybe comment on that as well. Uh, love Dak Prescott. Um, I've loved Dak Prescott for Dak Prescott for a while. Um, you know, I think he's like. Again, we talk about profiles. Uh, quarterback has led, right? Led the league in offense, right? Quarterback that has put up before he broke his leg was on pace for like mind-boggling stats, right? I mean like the best quarterback season of all time was on pace for that before he, before that gruesome, horrible injury, um, like elite, elite performances throughout his career. Um, we get bored and like, I don't know, like that's what happens. And, you know, that we want to put guys that are less proven and, you know, at a position where like the, the one thing that's been consistently true is that high level performers stay high level for a really long time at the quarterback position. And so like, that's a bet that I want to consistently make. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm 
uh, pretty convinced on Dak Prescott going forward. Like that said, like if there's this is an opportunity to pivot to Josh Allen or Mahomes, I'm, I'm interested in exploring that cost. Uh, but you add in another guy, um, and again, I think like I, I'm a pretty you know he's going around quarterback ten. Right? Like that's a really good bet to make historically. Um, so pretty bullish on that. Again, Cooks is my most owned wide receiver, uh, most rostered wide receiver. Um, so um, I'll probably whittle that down a bit, I would imagine, right? If I can sort of use him to, you know, climb a climb up at some other position, something like that. I'm sure this is an opportunity to probably do it. Um, but again, I think he's a season long innings eater. So I'm fine putting him out there in my lineup. And I think that, you know, with the right roster construction, he's he's um, he, he will be a part of a winning team. I like your Dak bet. I think that the fact that you add a wide receiver two who's going to command targets and there, we should see less targets for the tight end position with, you know, Schultz on his way out and Dak most likely having a younger tight end. I think the offense could be more explosive. You already go Pollard, you know, you replace Zeke with Pollard. Pollard should see an uptick. You add Cooks and, and you take away Schultz. It, it looks like it's going to be a more explosive type plays for Dak. And I think it'll look good fantasy wise. I love that too. Like, like, do you want to pay $9 million for Dalton Schultz or do you want to pay like $12 million for Brandon Cooks? Like, you'd always pick the wide receiver, right? right. Uh, you know, that's always what you want for Dynasty, too. Like, like you want the guy that's going to put up, you know, two yards per route run compared to 1.45 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's definitely the bet that you want. Yeah, I, I love that's That's a that's a, a very astute observation. And JD's going to win 25K with all his Jake Ferguson in uh, FFPC best ball tournaments, <laughs> too. So, yeah, I love it. Um, just trying to see which uh, which ones we knocked off. Let's go to running back a bit, man. Come on, we've got mm-hmm. we've got we've got Jordan. He loves stacking those running backs. We've all seen his dynasty teams uh, very weighted on the running backs. We've got two running backs, Jordan, David Montgomery and Miles Sanders, who were drafted twenty picks apart in twenty nineteen. They're both coming off of the rookie four year contract. Which one of these guys do you prefer? Do you prefer Demon going to Detroit? Do you prefer Miles in Carolina? And which, why, why, why do you like that one guy more than the other? If if you have a preference, uh, yeah, it's a question of like what bet I want to make. I think um, so. Montgomery is going to be cheaper. Uh, it, it looks like you know hasn't we haven't gotten a full cycle of of uh, drafts and everything to sort of tell us that, but it looks like he's going to be cheaper. Um, I wonder what Sanders' ceiling is. Right, that's my concern about Sanders' ceiling. Um, he just hasn't caught a lot of balls. He had 50 catches, and it's just dropped and dropped and dropped. Um, he hasn't had more than 200 receiving yards since his rookie season. Like, you know, Boston's got Kenneth Gainwell. Those guys are uh, involved in that passing offense. Like, that should probably speak to us to some degree. Um, so that's that's one of my cautionary spots there with him. Is I just I don't know what the big ceiling is, especially if this is a team with a rookie quarterback that's going to be playing from behind, right? Like. I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily love that uh, that recipe for a run-centric running back. The the problem I would have with that David Montgomery is DeAndre Swift's looming now, right? DeAndre Swift has had like four, like he had a 33 carry game uh, a couple of years ago. It was like 18 months ago, and I think he's had four games, with, four or five games with double-digit carries since then. Um, so, if you sort of look at that, like how much, if you're David Montgomery, how much does DeAndre Swift scare you? I think from a dynasty lens, we think it's terrifying. However, like this is a big contract that they gave him. Like this is a, this is like a top five contract over the past five years for a running back type contract that they gave him. This is a big contract. Like you don't see contracts this big very often. Um, like, by the way, Madison, 
Madison's contract at like at like just over six million dollars guaranteed over two years, like that's the second best running back contract in almost every class since like 2018. Like that is a that's a huge contract, and Montgomery was almost double it in terms of guaranteed money. So I kind of look at it and I'm like, all right, David Montgomery's probably a threat. Uh, is uh, De- DeAndre Swift is probably a threat. However. He seems like he's worn out his welcome there. Um, they make this big commitment to Montgomery. Are they in some sort of committee? Like, I, I kind of, I don't know. But I think, like, ultimately, Montgomery can basically do everything. I don't think Sanders can do that. And Montgomery's in an offense that I think can be elite. And in an elite offense, I think he's capable of playing up to that level. Right? I think David Montgomery basically is capable of playing to the level of his offense. Right. So if that's a really good offense, right, I think he'll like, he'll fit in fine. Right. If it's a really bad offense, I don't think he's going to elevate it. Um, and so I think this could be a really good offense. And so uh, I think at cost, like if I'm getting a discount on, on uh, beneath Miles Sanders, I'd much rather have Montgomery. Yeah, I don't know, Dan. Totally you know, I'm, I know I'm not specifically excited about Sanders uh, going to Carolina. Am I missing something, Theo? I, so I'll take a devil's advocate approach on on Sanders is that we have seen him have a 50 catch season in his career and Philadelphia kind of got away from it. But I think there's there's a decent offensive line in Carolina and there's also opportunity for for him to see targets finally. So I think that there's like I don't I don't dislike either one of them and I think it's okay to take a I think you could you could make an argument for either one, and I think by the end of the day, I think their ADPs will be close to one another this season in redraft. Dynasty-wise, I think they're going to be relatively close with – I think you're right, though, Jordan. I think that the, the fact that Swift is around, you get a, a slight discount on Montgomery from the dynasty perspective, but I don't, I don't like dislike the, the Sanders situation. I think it's fine. Uh, it's a good offensive line, an opportunity for more volume and more targets. Obviously, we'll have less rushing touchdowns. But Montgomery, I think that you nailed it. I think it's uh, like DeAndre Swift uh, managers are painting themselves a, a picture, and I, I certainly have some Swift in Dynasty, and I, I believe in his talent. But like David Montgomery has had 155 receptions in his career, and I think people just kind of say, oh, he's going to take over the Jamal Williams role. It's going to be a completely different role. I think that he'll be used more as a as a complete back than you know the between the tackles grinder that we saw saw Jamal. So I don't know. I, I can make a case for either, but I'm not bearish on Sanders. I think I, I think that he's a guy that I don't mind having on my dynasty teams as well. They both landed pretty well. Dan, Dan, we know you're bullish. You've got your trade up on there. You're flexing one of your recent trades uh, for two of your favorite running backs. Yeah, really. They are. I mean, you know, because I think, uh, you know, Jordan nailed it on Montgomery. Uh, you know, all the signs point to um, he should have a good role, you know, probably. You know, I'm not expecting him to score 17 touchdowns necessarily like Jamal Williams, but, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a solid role in there. And James Conner is, uh, you know, they like him in Arizona. Um, you know, they, they really have no reason to, to draft a running back very high. Uh, you know, so I, I think he's going to be very startable as well. And if you look at what, what Connor did when um, Kyler went out last year, Connor actually performed very, very well. So, uh, you know, basically what I did was I gave up a, you know, a low first and a mid second to get those two players. And I threw in Darnell Mooney, which on the roster that I, I had him on, uh, was a guy who really wasn't going to be starting for me hardly ever. 
Uh, you know, so pretty much a throwaway wide receiver. But uh, interested to get Jordan's thoughts on this one. Um, I dig it. Um, I, you know, one of the other things too is like you, you just point to the um, like. See, I think you hit, kind of hit it with like if they wanted him to be the Jamal Williams role, like wouldn't they have brought back Jamal Williams at a cheaper cost? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like yeah. they, they just they just had Jamal Williams, and they chose to let Jamal Williams walk out the door for uh, close to three million dollars less uh, guaranteed. Uh, it, Jamal Williams made three for twelve. Uh, I'm sure he would have taken three for twelve from Detroit. Uh, Detroit instead offered three for eighteen for David Montgomery. Right. So I don't think Montgomery, like, again, this is March and we don't know, but like it, I read that as we think Montgomery is capable of more uh, than what Jamal Williams did last year. And honestly, like I'm, I'm unreasonably um, uh, a Jamal Williams guy. Like I've liked Jamal Williams since he came out. Like I met Jamal Williams. Like I, I'm a fan of Jamal Williams, but I, I think, like we can be honest with ourselves and to say that Nick, it was a really good situation last year. He probably broke down as the season went along. Like this, probably this, this signing in New Orleans probably isn't going to age. Well, would sort of be my assumption on it. And, you know, I, I think with Montgomery, like they probably see a guy that, you know, they didn't throw the ball at Jamal Williams that much. And again, like we've, we've kind of hit on Montgomery is capable of doing basically everything. Again, is he elite at anything? No, but he's, he's, maybe his best strength is that he can do everything and he can play a lot, you know, and that's something that Swift hasn't done. And that's probably something they didn't see at Jamal Williams. And so like, if you're kind of projecting forward, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty interesting spot. And and the other thing too, with Detroit, they haven't been in this situation for a while, but they're the favorites to win the, the NFC North right now. They're the betting line favorites. And what comes with that positive game script? What comes with that? A running back that's going to get touches when you're leading. Right. Like they haven't been in a situation like this in a while where they're going to be playing from a hat where they're projected to play from a hat. David Montgomery is more that guy than DeAndre Swift is. And so that's the other thing I would sort of point to, like Swift has always been kind of the, oh, he'll get a lot of passing game usage in a in a bad offense. Like, I mean, they're in a spot now where they're going to be playing from a hat, I think. And so I think that's the other thing with Montgomery. Like it's going to be more favorite. It's going to be more Montgomery favorable uh, game script. I think there's also a like. Football people are football people. And when you see these guys going and getting a player from in the same division, I always think that 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 speaks volumes because you have like familiarity. The staff has familiarity. You know, it's like, hey, I've seen this guy twice a year. That's the guy I want. Um, That sort of thing happens in football. So, you know, the fact that you're getting a Chicago Bear to come and play for Detroit, some people might say that's such a simplistic uh, thought. But I, I really think there's some weight to, to be had with that. For sure, man. They, they feel the pain more, Theo. You know what I mean? Like when Jamal yeah. Williams gets a touchdown over the Vikings, they feel that a bit more than it's a, if it's over the Browns or whatever. You know, and, and they see it repeatedly. And then they're like, man, we got to pick up that kids if we get a chance, you know? And there was a million guys that could have replaced Jamal Williams with to have a thumper. They could have signed Deonta Foreman for less money. Damian Harris signed for nothing. No, they wanted versatile. They, yeah, they wanted a they guy want a, versatile. Real, a real mm-hmm. complete back. And not give away your offense, right? Like that's a, you. You want two backs that when they're there, that you know you got to keep that defense guessing. And and Montgomery's definitely going to have that defense guessing a bit more than than JW. Jordan, I do have a question though. Like we're sitting here singing David Montgomery's praises, where you've got a guy DeAndre Swift who we've seen score. He's had the his worst fantasy performance was thirteen points per game. 
He's gone over 15 points per game, I believe, twice in three years. At what point does he become a guy you want to take on more of because the market's going to beat him up a lot because of the Montgomery landing spot? Yeah, I want to see how this like how this settles out a little bit, but it's it's will never not be funny to me that he's going to cost more. Like there are people that had Josh Jacobs who was three for three, who had produced a top twelve seasonal finish in his first three seasons, who had first round draft pedigree, who was the lead back, who had shown he could hold up to do that, who had receiving and rushing profile, and there were people that dropped him out of the top twenty dynasty rankings last year. Okay, now we're sort of at a position where DeAndre Swift is none of those things, right? He hasn't been able to hold up. He hasn't done rushing and receiving. He hasn't, uh, he doesn't have the first round pedigree. He doesn't have contract insulation. Um, and we're going to keep him in the mid teens. Right? I find that to be fascinating. <laughs> um, just from a, you know, from where we, what we're doing as dynasty GMs, um, you know, I, I if he if there's a two in front of him, right? I think that's really interesting. You get to a spot though, like where you you kind of are like looking at the board, and you're like, all right, what type of bet do I want to make, right? And I, I think it very much becomes that, right? Like DeAndre Swift or Ramondre Stevenson, like I, you know, uh, I got to take Ramondre Stevenson there, right? Chubb or Swift, um, you know, we talked about earlier, like Chubb this season could could outproduce, you know, kind of like. The, the future of DeAndre Swift. Um, then you kind of get to to Dobbins. Like, I don't know if I love that bet. Derek Henry, again, kind of that similar Chubb type bet, but it's more of a one-year deal. Like, what are you getting beyond? Like, what's a second contract for Swift look like? Right. That's the thing that's interesting to me. Um, that I'm not necessarily sure on, right? Um, but you you sort of get in there, like, do you want to take a big swing on Derek Henry this year, knowing kind of like I might not win beyond this year with that bet? Right. Um, you know, Pollard's kind of an interesting situational play that's probably better this year than than Swift is. But you don't necessarily know what the future brings, you know, and then you start getting down a little bit like there's only so far that he can really sink is, I guess, my bigger point. Um, so, like, I don't really have a problem if you want to go with a couple of those guys over him. But it's going to become a point like he gets to 17, 18, 19, you know, of the veterans. You're going to put a couple of rookies in there as well. Right. He starts to get to like 20. Like at that point, it's pretty interesting. Like I'd be, I'd be curious to see how close he and Montgomery get, right? Because that's the thing that would be because Montgomery's going to have multiple years of security, right? That matters at the running back position, um, or Swift doesn't, right? Like I don't know. I'm interested to see sort of how close they converge. I don't think Montgomery passes them, but that's it. Like we're sitting. You got to think like, Swift ends up somewhere else, right? If, if, with, with that next, next year, contract. right? Yeah. Next yeah. Year. yeah. Yeah, right. Swift, yeah, Swift is definitely going to be moving on next. Like, for, especially for him to blossom at this point, because he's like capped almost in Detroit. Right, and and looking at uh, you know again at keep trade cut just to to get a, a quick and dirty idea, they have uh, Swift at running back nineteen, Montgomery at running back twenty five, and they have they have, they they uh, they have Swift as as a tier eleven and uh, Montgomery as a tier thirteen. Um, you know, as far as like overall dynasty players. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it might just take a few good games for Montgomery and, uh, you know, a few games of Swift getting eight, 10 touches. And, you know, you could, you could see that, uh, that those two cross. Swift just has a bit more sex appeal, Dan. That's all it is. He's, he's the sexy name with the flash, but Montgomery's not, you know, let's be honest. The, the name Deandre Swift 
is a, right. sounds like a better running back than <laughs> exactly. David Montgomery. Exactly. And guys, I don't know if you heard, but but breaking news today, Damian Harris goes to Buffalo. Uh, do we care about this uh, this move? Is this going to be significant? Is he the next Singletary there? I don't know, Jordan. Do you have anything on on this uh, move for the uh, the New England running back going to Buffalo? I've been sort of hypothetically like hypothesizing this for months about like that Buffalo would bring in a Damian Harris to be the compliment to James Cook. Like I've used his name as being the guy. Um, so I was like, I manifested it. Like <laughs> it was in our, in my AOD group chat. I was like, it actually <laughs> happened. <laughs> um, I love this for James Cook, right? I yes. love this for James Cook, right? Because this isn't his brother, right? This isn't, um, you know, and again, I'm a hair like I have a chapter in a book that is that is uh, that has Damien Harris's name in it. So I'm a Damien Harris guy, um, but like I'm under no illusion that he's going to that he's going to take the receiving angle. Right? We haven't seen him hold up a ton. Right. Um, again, he had like a, he I think he finished second in the league in rushing touchdowns a couple of years ago, but he has never really cracked a huge rushing number. Um, they're going to have more invested in James Cook. This is a one year prove it deal. There wasn't a big market for him. Right. All the things we kind of look at of like, hey, what's the NFL kind of think of a player like they didn't think much of him. Right. He's been a free agent for a couple of weeks now. Um, and now he signs a one year deal with where the finances aren't disclosed. Right. You know, that's not a good deal for the player. So, um, you know, so I'm I'm pretty bullish on James Cook because I don't think that this harms him substantially. Uh, and I think it's a good signal that they're not going to bring in someone better. I think Jordan nailed it. I think that it's this is a James Cook signing. Devin Singletary, you know, has gone over 800 yards rushing for the, the last two seasons. That's fine. But he's had 50 targets now for three straight years. If James Cook just absorbs those targets, I think he's going to be a useful player this year. Um, I think he'll be, you know, potentially even an RB2. They also haven't added a receiver that really scares you. Uh, So it's obviously he's got to dodge a lot of bullets in the draft and he's got to dodge some more bullets, uh, you know, in terms of maybe they add a a receiver that might take some targets. But I think if Buffalo's self-scouting, they're going to want to get their, their draft pick running back from last year more involved in the passing game. He's more, he's explosive. It's it's definitely interesting. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I think uh, this this actually looks really good for Cook. Um, you know, just because it it, it kind of I think makes it less likely that they're going to do something crazy like go Bijan, you know, and trade up or something like that. Uh, you definitely wouldn't want to see a Jameer Gibbs go there. Uh, you know, Charbonnet was probably the the, the one that would worry me the most out of, you know, what we, we what we think we know about how the NFL is going to draft. Um, but I I think it's great for Cook. And I, I do like it for Harris, too, just because he's going to be on a better offense. Uh, you know, concerns about whether he can hold up or not, but uh, on, on a better offense. Yeah, I like it. Um, you know, he's, he, he did well enough for... Uh, for New England, and uh, you know, so I'll I'll take a chance on him because again, you know, if anything happens to Cook, then all of a sudden you're looking at uh, even more play for Damian Harris. I mean, I think Naheem Hines would would kind of you know jump into the Cook role a little bit, but I think uh, Harris would also get a slice of that. So uh, you know, it's it's pretty good stuff. It's just you know the main thing you have to keep in mind is uh, Josh Allen to this point has been kind of their goal line back. Um, 
they keep saying they don't want to do that anymore, but you know, we haven't yet seen it. So uh, hopefully this will be the year where they say, yeah, we're going to let uh, Harris take those plunges. It's funny the game the game on the line. It's easy to it's easy to, to, to get back to you know your your habits when you've got one of the best rushing quarterbacks of all time. You know. Yep. And, exactly. Twenty twenty one guys. Damian Harris with fifteen touchdowns was still only the the running back eighteen. So you got to think going to Buffalo, like you said, this is good news for James Cook and the the savvy guys are out there putting offers for James Cook right now, trying to to buy him at a bit of a discount, right? Whenever these these moves happen. So thank you, NFL, for keeping the goodness coming with these these signings. Guys, we we gotta finish this off. We'll go, we'll stay in New England, uh, talk about a New England guy, but we'll go to the tight end position. We are talking FFPC mostly. Uh, we we mostly all play tight end premium leagues. One guy we were high on, I made a move for actually Swift and Gasecki, uh, thinking Gasecki might end up in a place like Dallas. What are your thoughts with Gasecki going to New England, Jordan? Is he going to be, uh, is he closer to like the next Gronk or is he like the next, you know, RIP Johnu Smith out there in, uh, in Patriots land? Uh, Mike Gasecki is a great, uh, good stats, bad team guy, right? Doesn't really separate, doesn't break tackles. And is kind of a, when you don't have a lot of great, other options Gasicki looks pretty good in a passing offense but if you have a lot of good options kind of like what happened last year he's not very good so um i think it's a great landing spot because there's not a lot there to sort of uh take the attention away and you know if Gasicki's going to run a lot of routes there's nothing to really stop that and and that that i think will, will ultimately add up right if if he went to a spot where there was like a couple of really good wide receivers exactly like he was last year I think he looks very ordinary, right? From a quarterback dropping back to pass where they want to throw the ball, right? He's he's constantly covered and he doesn't do anything after the catch. Um, like he's a, he's a really high contested catch rate, right? He just doesn't get open, and so um, that's a formula for a bad offense to throw it to a lot uh, to a player a lot. It's not a formula for a good offense. So I'm it's actually great because I think the Patriots offense, there's not a lot of guys that are going to take a lot of attention away and be big time separators. So I think it's a good spot for him. Yeah, I like the spot. I like the spot JD as well. It's uh, that's also the, the, the coach that recruited him to Penn state O'Brien. So he reunites with the coach he has familiarity with who's now the offensive coordinator. And he had 70 plus catches in 2021. Um, another in, in division guy. So, you know, it's like Bill Belichick, has seen Mike Jacecki for these years and says, hey, I think I could do better with that guy than his coaches. And, you know, to to talk about Mac Jones again, Mac Jones, I think, is a winner this offseason as well. He gets Juju Smith-Schuster uh, replacing Jacoby Myers, and he gets Mike Jacecki replacing Jonu Smith. So he's added two more capable receivers. And, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's fine for Jacecki. I think he can certainly see his fair sh- share of targets in that offense, and I think he can – you know, potentially get back, you know, over 55 receptions this year. Dan, Theo stole my question to you. I was, that's what I was going to ask you, how that, that helps your Mac Jones uh, shares. But I, I think we can all agree he's gotten some nice little pieces, nothing too flashy, but enough to help him, right, Dan? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, it's, he's actually Gusecki, somebody I picked up uh, just a couple of days ago after that move was made. Uh, I picked up in an FFPC uh Dynasty. I picked up Gasecki for a future third, basically, nice. and then I I swapped my my fourth rounder for a fifth rounder. 
uh, you know, which is basically nothing at all in, in FFPC, by the, especially at the end of the fourth round where I was drafting. So especially with cuts coming. Yeah, so it, you know, it's it's basically I got that you know I got Gasecki for real cheap. I thought you know, and if if nothing ever happens, all I really gave up was a third rounder. And if uh, if he does well, you know, I can hopefully flip him and uh, and move him on. Guys, you see nineteen twelve, smash that like if you like uh, what you hear. We're trying to help you guys get that edge, unlock your dynasty game, take it to the next level. Right? You're watching fantasy football shows this time of year, especially tuning into the Goat District. We want to make you better. That's what we're hoping to do tonight with Jordan here. We had a, a trade question. Why don't we get to it with uh, from 1912. I appreciate 1912 and uh, all the goodness he brings to the show, especially in the chat. He sent the 108 and Sky Moore for 106 and 206. Yep. We'll, and that we'll is super guests. flex. And it's super flex. Dan did a bit of uh, investigating for us. He, him and the intern were back there uh, working hard behind the scenes. Jordan, what are your thoughts on the trade sending 108 and Sky Moore for 106 and 206 in a super flex? Um, I think this probably jumps you into a tier. And I think this probably puts you in the quarterback conversation, which I think is is probably valuable. right? I, I don't know. I'm curious what you guys think. I don't have a great sense of this. Like in – what percentage of your leagues do you think a quarterback's available at 106, right? A top 10 quarterback. Let's assume that, that the top uh, four guys in this class, uh, uh, Richardson, uh, Stroud, uh, Levis, and Bryce Young, they all go in uh, the top 10 of the NFL draft. What's the odds there you're sitting at six and a quarterback's available? Uh, I, I think it's I good. Think... I think it's good. Because yeah, I think it's like 80 plus percent, right? Good. Right. The top seven is the tier this year for super. Will, will Levis, more. yeah, Will Levis will probably be the guy. Unless obviously the draft will change, you know, some some. But as as is now, I feel like it feels like Levis will be the one that drops. Uh, that could possibly. I have one hundred five and one hundred six in a triflex, and I'm mm -hmm. you know curious to see what falls to me there. Uh, nineteen twelve yeah. crushed it on nineteen twelve crushed it on this one, fellas. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I like agree. it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I, do it with. I would do it without the two hundred six to be honest with you. Yes, based on how the tier is. Is shaping up and the chances of getting like your your worst case scenario let's say it's it's Bijan and then four quarterbacks which i don't think it'll be in most super flex leagues then you're talking about jameer gibbs or jackson smith and jigba exactly. where you get to that 108 it's it's a little bit sneakier where there's a little bit more indecision in right there's now. a good chance you're making a decision into that next tier which is like the worst place yes, to be Right. You crushed it, nineteen twelve. Nice humble brag trade in the goat district chat. Very, very nicely done. I was offered in in a one QB. I'm in a Reno mode. I was offered the one. What was this? Just a, along these lines: one twelve, one eleven, and one ten for my one o two. One twelve, one eleven, and and what was the third pick? One. So basically, one ten, one eleven, and one twelve for one o two. I probably would still stick with the 102. Yeah. Yeah. And this was this was yeah. uh Triflex, right? No, this is this is a one QB. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would probably stick with the 102. You could make a, a little an a argument little for JD. It just it's it's a tough one. I think it's can't easier put the to 102 in a deal for an elite player that you can't put those other picks in. That like I'm, yeah. If we're going to sort of stick and pick there, right, I think your bet's probably still the 102. Um, you could 
Yeah, if it was super flex, maybe those picks uh, the later first become a little bit more interesting. You know, maybe you're picking two guys the same tier, kind of like what I was talking about before. Maybe you're picking two guys the same tier, and start one. I don't think that's the case. And then start one, like it, 102 plus, like you know, might get you a really good player, right? It might get you, you know, you could be in a conversation of, you know, like we talked about before, right? You, could you go Olave? Could you go London? Could like the, those are, are uh, players that are available that I don't think packaging 110 and 111 is going to get you. I just, that's yeah. just my take on it. And JD, yeah, you I could, think you could, you could put 102 and Pittman together and you could probably get Olave or anybody, London. And well, JD, I think a manager that's willing to offer you those three picks right now, when you're on the clock in your FFPC draft, he's going to be willing to, or they are going to be willing to send you those three picks, picks plus, because you always see the the craziness when you're OTC in these FFPC leagues. So, I would just hold tight, yeah. my friend. So, Diddy, I that's a trade that never goes away, right? Like that <laughs> yeah. that doesn't go away, right? right you just yeah. you can sit on you can you you're in the bargaining position, and that trade never gets worse than it is right now. Yeah, shout out to our boy P. Diddy. He's in the, the GOAT Leagues. He sent me that earlier today. I thought it was a, an interesting one. He, he Every once in a while, he'll make me think. Usually, I just kind of... That's generous for P. Diddy. That's yeah, that generous. very generous Diddy. for Diddy. That might be the most fair trade that P. Diddy's ever offered in a GOAT League. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't hate me for, for throwing it out there. Uh, Jordan, man, it's always a blast having you on. You, you have such a unique uh, approach to the game and just so much insight. It's, you know, we could go on forever, dude. We're at 90 plus minutes already. We've taken <laughs> more than enough of your time. You've been more than generous. Remind the people of all the goodness over there at uh, NLX of Dynasty and all the goodness you're dropping at Football Guys. Be- real quick before I do that, uh, question for you guys. So I just posted this on Twitter. Buffalo lost Devin Singletary and Ed and Damian Harris. How does that impact James Cook's value? Uh, I gave a, an option of increase his value or decrease his value. What do you want to guess uh, the split is on that? Decrease is probably more. I'm guessing you it's close guess a number? to 50-50 on your, on your poll because I've seen the pro Damian Harris argument. Um, I'm guessing it's close to 50-50. I say it's probably like 60, 60 some early 60s in favor of uh, Hertzett. It should be like 70-30 James Cook because a receiving back getting more targets literally increases his value. But I'm going to go – I'm going to go – I'm going to go 75-25 hurts it. Yeah, 61% so far hurts it, um, which is wild to me. By the way, this is a team that ran the 10th most routes. uh, Did you say 65 hurts it? 61% hurts by the way that's a team that ran uh the the 10th most routes per drop back last year for running backs and only managed the 21st most uh receptions per drop back so that's how sort of negative of an influence devin singletary is on a passing game um all right so with that <laughs> all that aside um i do want to thank you guys for having me on yeah go ahead and check out analytics of dynasty uh, the dynasty team building guide you can get it Again, I'll take you all through all this right, kind of from beginning to end. Um, it, it, there's stuff in there that I'm super proud of as well. Um, I, I committed to just I'll just share two things. I committed to putting everything kind of I knew about Dynasty on one page, which there's the old saying, like, I'm sorry, I couldn't write you a shorter letter. I didn't have enough time. Like that took me an immense like I wrote a 150 page book and the amount of time it took me to get all that stuff on one page was like just an obscene amount of time. So I'm super proud of that one. The other thing I'm really proud of 
is, you know, someone was asking me, like, how do you know if a dynasty analyst is good? I, mean, I said, well, there's a couple of ways. You can, A, kind of see, you know, what their teams look like, what sort of what their ROI is. Are they, are they productive? The other thing is, is they, their subscribers can tell you. And so I had a couple of my subscribers who I've sort of seen all along their dynasty journey uh, write chapters for me. And the stuff that they did this sh- in, in their chapters, I think it was great. Um, I think the work that they put in was amazing on their teams. I think they did an awesome job uh, of, of explaining it, of sort of showing the process behind it. Um, I'm super proud of them and I'm super proud of what they were able to, to accomplish in this book. Um, and so like, those are really the pitches that I have. It's a lot of case study stuff. Um, yeah, and then there's a lot of theory stuff too, right? There's metrics to look at. There's everything you can, that can help you from the top to bottom in your dynasty league. So go ahead and check that out. And again, if you're looking for 360 plus podcasts a year, uh, I'll, uh, a subscription over to analytics at dynasty.com. We'll get that for you. Our dynasty trade database, set real draft position tracker, uh, my dynasty tiers, which I just updated and all the like over there. So you can get all of that. Um, subscribe to analytics at dynasty.com. Guys, check out Jordan. Uh, it's, it's, it's a must. It's a must. If you're playing dynasty fantasy, Theo, what do you have coming up, man? You've got, you're all over the place. Help the people focus on you. Come on. Uh, well, I'm on tomorrow on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast with uh, Alan Sislowski and uh, Matt Kelly. And then uh, Billy Muzi and I are putting out two first-class fantasies this week. And then I'm back with you guys. Uh, next week, we have Dalton Cates, who's a great guest. He's uh, been in the GOAT district now. I think this might be his fourth time. Uh, yep. And we're going to talk a little bit about this this rookie class and react to some of these free agent signings and uh, trades. You're not going to want to miss that one. Yeah, he's awesome. Dan, you and I just did a uh, ball in live this past weekend with our boy Kevin Wheeler. We've we've got we've, we're going to be doing those weekly, guys. So if you're in a best ball, we're going to be doing some some FFPC best ball tournaments. We're going to be doing a bunch of different platforms. Only ma- mainly the FFPC, but we'll sprinkle in a, a little bit here and there to give some variety. And Dan, you and I might get together uh, once a week and maybe do some some dynasty uh, chatting and strategizing. Uh, you know, a little bit more to come with that, but just a bit, bit, bit of a teaser. But you see, guys, we've got you covered, whether it's Dynasty, Fantasy, uh, Redraft, big tournaments, small 12-man leagues, home leagues. Doesn't matter what fantasy football you're playing. We've got you covered here at the GOAT District. Hopefully you hang with us all off season. We appreciate you guys hanging with us tonight. Check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Fish.